Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. Don't stop. Here's what you get with this Honestly. I've guessed it. I've absolutely guessed it. I enjoy this so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, welcome on in. It's another edition of Mode Push, an American view of F1, our F1 podcast that has become our baby. And, boy, I tell you what, what a fun race it was last week. And I guess in terms of a Monaco standard race, uh, we had about as, as much excitement as you could get without there being red flags and 10 cars into the walls. And uh, between qualifying and the qualifying laps that were put in by Max Verstappen and, uh, and Fernando Alonso, I mean, we were treated over the weekend. And yet, at the same time, I still felt like the race lacked something. Joining us, uh, of course, as usual, my co-host, Dan Jimenez, on the program. Dan, what's up, man? Uh, I am just relishing in a great weekend. It was awesome. It was I thought really it was fun. a great race. It was one bad strategy call by Aston Martin short of being an epic race. Yeah, but it was I, a great weekend. You know, I think everybody asked afterward because you okay. So you had Max Verstappen, of course, on the top of the podium. Just another masterclass by this guy. And I'm refusing. I'm not going to be one of those guys that calls him uh, a Dutch master. I'm not going to do that because we can get because everybody gets <laughs> roped into that, and I'm not going to do it. But another insane weekend from him, and because of that performance, the lack of performance by Checo Perez ended up being, you know, that contrast was made even more difficult, I think, for him and his team in that garage. But uh, because I think if you were going to expect something epic, it would have been inter-team, right? I mean, that, that's that's what I thought we were going to be looking at. But Fernando Alonso with his second-place finish and just continues to wow and uh, just awesome. But the rain came out for – Albeit a brief moment in Monaco, and so you got first. <laughs> I don't think anybody picked this podium, mostly because of the third place finisher, right? But uh, first place Max Verstappen, second place Fernando Alonso, and then Esteban Ocon getting a little bit of. Uh, I mean, he draw he drove a heck of a race. He drove a heck of a race. I mean, I think that he just he made sure that uh, if anything was going to happen, he covered it all up. And so it was a pretty epic move by uh, by the Alpine driver, and Alpine continues to kind of improve steadily as well. But Fernando Alonso, what was the strategy mess that I guess people kind of were like, hey, you stayed on the slicks, everybody else was going to enters. If he would have gone out on enters one lap before, is that kind of the idea that he would have given himself a little bit more of a shot? Yeah, so to, to set the, the stage – Alonzo was running the hards and uh, Max started on the mediums. So Alonzo was going to be able to run longer into the race than Max anyways. Now Max was doing an, like when it was all dry, Max was doing an incredible job keeping his lap times up and kind of keeping that eight second buffer to Alonzo, but it was still going to get, you know, if the race had stayed dry and those guys had done their pit stops and uh, Alonzo had gone to mediums and Max to hard, I think it could have been really interesting, but the rain came and it was uh, only raining in that like second sector, um, 
and it was dry everywhere else. So all the teams were just kind of waiting to see, is this just going to pass real quickly? Because there's the trade-off point. Like in the end, what tires you're going to be on, it's just a question of lap time. You're just sitting there looking, okay, what's the overall lap time? How much time are we losing to the people around us? And so, yeah, even though everyone, when they were on their slicks, was losing time in that uh, hairpin second sector uh, because they were on slicks, they were gaining or keeping their time uh, quick up over the other two sectors that it was that they hadn't hit that like changeover point yet. Sure. And um, I f- feel like there were maybe a couple of other backmarkers who had switched to enters before Alonzo pit, but I, you know, the whole race Red Bull had been, uh, you know, going to be the ones that were going to pit first because they were on the medium tires. And so I think Al- uh, Alonzo and uh, Aston Martin were trying to maybe preempt something and catch uh, max, uh, off, you know, off strategy. And so they pit about a lap after the rain started and they had cut when the rain started, max started driving very conservatively and Alonzo was catching them a few seconds per lap. And, uh, about a lap or two after, uh, Alonzo pits and there were other people taking enters at that point. And, um, Aston Martin puts him on, uh, the mediums, thinking that it was going to the rain was going to pass very quickly now he comes out on the mediums max is still on his old mediums and uh alonzo still catches him i i think over the next two laps he caught him by like 10 seconds or something yeah max pitts puts on the enters but then the rain was really coming down and aston martin had to come back in put enters on because they were going to be losing too much time so the the question that everyone's asking is if Aston Martin had put enters on in the first pit stop, would Max, uh, would uh, Alonzo have gotten around Max? And on the broadcast, um, Martin Brundle said no. But as people have gone back and done the analysis since, like, taking the average lap times of, I think, Hamilton and a few others that had gone out in the, uh, those particular laps on enters compared to Max's time, uh, yes, like, Alonzo would have gotten past uh, uh, Max if they had made the quote-unquote right call in hindsight and only pit once for enters uh, because it, it, it was just insane. Max was losing like, I mean, the qualifying lap around Monaco was like a minute 14 or something. Right. And then in the race, they were well, under dry conditions. They were running like a minute 18. And then like when the rain came, they were running like two minute laps, like the Delta between <laughs> the dry and the wet when you're on those slicks is insane. Like you can make up, you know, even though Max is 10, 20 seconds behind Max, if he's, 20 seconds a lap faster than Max, and he undercuts him by just two laps he, uh, by going to the enters while Max is still out on those mediums. Like he absolutely gets around Max. So I think hindsight being 2020, Aston Martin should have definitely put on the enters, and I think he would have gotten around Max, and Max wouldn't have been able to get past him um, because uh, Max was driving so conservatively. He just he did not want to pull what everyone else was doing, like Logan Sargent and Lance Stroll and everybody just like hydroplaning into the wall and breaking a. a you know, his, uh, his front wing, which would have been, you know, essentially the end of his race. So he was being hyper conservative. Alonzo was able to be more aggressive and yeah, just missed opportunity, but like hand it to max for driving to the conditions to Red Bull for making the right call. And, you know, max didn't put it in the wall when he stayed out the longest on those slick tires in the rain. Uh, the rest of the race kind of was, I mean, I think that, you know, it's kind of all over the place. What's funny is, is that, Mercedes actually had a decent weekend with a four or five finish, I guess. I mean, people are still kind of fi- trying to figure out whether or not they're fast, and that's a hard that's a hard track to figure it out. I mean, Monaco just is not 
the place where you're going to go, wow, look at how much of it. Look at how our upgrades have worked for us. Obviously, Spain this weekend is going to be a little bit more of that uh, that place. I love the idea that everybody's going to go to Spain here. Some upgrades are going to be anticipated. Some upgrades were added to the cars last week, and yet we're not really going to see it until uh, this weekend in Barcelona. But this is a track that everybody knows better than any other track in all of the in, in all of the races across the uh, across the board because they all do their testing here they do, they've done more laps and more miles on that track than any other track and so it's going to be really interesting to see how these upgrades have worked now uh your guys the ferrari team the team that you're so devoted to uh dan <laughs> A sixth and eighth place finish uh, for Charles uh, for Charles Leclerc and uh, and Carlos Sainz uh, respectively, and I don't know if you knew this piece of this tidbit of information, but a record was broken this weekend, and you know, <laughs> it's kind of weird because on the one hand, I mean it's not, <laughs> I think it's more of a, I think it's a little bit more of a diss than than it would be uh, exciting, but in F one history, Carlos Sainz set the record. For most eighth place finishes all time in F one, I mean that is just something to really write home about. What? Most eighth place finishes, and you know who's behind him is uh, good for him. And he's got twenty all time uh, eighth place finishes. Which hey, you know what? That's in the points. So I mean, there's the one part where you go, that's hilarious. But it is also Ferrari and eighth place finishes don't really go over well uh, for the Tifosi. But uh, their eighth place finishes, nineteenth or, or ninth, second place uh, all time. Nico Hulkenberg. So he could run him down if he ends up having a few uh, extra eighth-place finishes this year. And I think Haas would be like, please, please give us more eighth-place finishes. Um, Any surprises, though? I was actually – I want to throw out one surprise, which was Lando Norris scoring a couple points. And I remember listening to – from McLaren after the the race, and he was just absolutely dogging this car that he's in. I mean, he is still just like – I mean, yeah – yeah, it was fun, I guess. I mean, I got a couple points, but who's who's that happy when you get uh, ninth place, but you're uh, a lap and a half down? Like <laughs> this is th- this is the state where uh, that Aston or that uh, McLaren is in right now. They get a double points finish technically with uh, with Lando getting ninth and, and Oscar Piastri getting tenth, and so they got a couple of points. And so you can like thumbs up, but at the same time, I don't know. I mean, he just seems so. It seems so like ominous like the way he's talking about this car I don't know if he's going to want to stick around till 2025 I think that the love fest between he and Zach Brown can't last that long because when you're finishing eighth and ninth and it's like the best you can do it felt like that's the best you can do on a car that just is not going that well so uh teams like McLaren teams like Ferrari underperforming uh, Mercedes is just kind of sticking around, doing a you know with their fourth and fifth place or uh, yeah their fourth and fifth place finishes with uh, with George and and, uh, and Lewis. I'm not sure that there's a worse performance though than than Sergio Perez this weekend, who needed who was 14 points down on his teammate going into the weekend, puts it in the wall in Q1, uh, ends up starting last on the grid, which of course in in Monaco means you're going to end up toward the the end of the grid unless there's a massive disaster, which there was not. Um, and he just, I mean, now no one, and, and I think it's highlighted too. I read a quote by um, by Max. They were asking him. They said, "Hey, who on the grid do you love as a as a driver uh, that's not yourself?" And he goes, "Yeah, hands down, uh, hands down, Fernando Alonso." <laughs> and so he throws that out there. He's got a teammate like that's hanging out there in second place. Like, what about me? And he's just like the dedication he has, and just the the fight that he's got, and just the ability to be able to do what he does. 
And it's like, dude, everybody knows that you're not that impressed with your teammate and your teammate was abysmal this weekend. And that, like, unless he can put something crazy together, Sergio Perez is going, is trending so far behind now between his last two races and especially this last one. After winning last year to going to, you know, basically dead last this year. I think he's finished 16th, but that was with a couple of DNFs in there. And, and you know, you beat uh, Logan Sargent. Good for you. Uh, that's that, that's just a, an awful weekend for uh, for Checo. I feel bad for the guy, but at the same time, he's not he's not driving real well with that piece of equipment underneath him. Yeah, I mean, how fast uh, do fortunes change in F1? It was weeks ago we were singing his praises and saying he's going to be fighting for the championship, and then two bad weeks or two bad races, uh, race weekends in a row, and yeah, he's now the rumors are flying around. Well, you know, is Daniel Ricciardo still going to come in and replace him mid-season or something? But uh, yeah, he had uh, the, the hard part about this weekend is they were just un, unforced errors. They, you know, they weren't reliability problems on the part of the car, or the team. It was, uh, it was all Sergio's fault. He just made these mental mistakes. And I think the big part, one of the biggest parts of this weekend was, uh, Sergio's wreck in Q1 that required them to crane it up into the air, oh, uh, yes. out, uh, out of the way of the track. And these teams all have photographers at these corners oh, where these sure. cranes are because they've been to monaco before they know how this works that if somebody wrecks there the car's going to go up in the air and then you get the very rare glimpse uh what uh, what did toto call it underneath the skirt of the cars uh you <laughs> it did the, it did have get the quick glimpse up the skirt <laughs> there was like a, there was a moment where you go <laughs> and, these guys are looking at this this is like the hottest lady that's ever been out there you know when you see the guys that you see some lady walk into the room and it's like like the old cartoons you know where the construction workers are whistling they the people were more interested in the underneath part of that red bull car and my my favorite shot was somebody showed this this still of adrian newey and he's sitting there, and he's just like, oh, he's like, oh gosh, everybody is seeing my work, my perfection gone. Oh, I think it was him. Is it Adrian Newey, yeah. the guy, the the uh, the yeah. the air yeah. expert? Yeah, Newey. Yeah. yeah. So, so everybody's yeah, like, he's... look at this guy. He's freaking out because he's going. I had one thing that was going for me, and it was the aero package underneath that floor. And of course, everybody's just going to copy off of that, right? And that guy could that could make a real yeah. difference for for some uh, for some excitement this season. I, I think that accelerates everyone's timeline on developments to catch up to Red Bull, at least on the aero concept, by six months. Like I think it is a huge deal for everyone to see up there because it was uh, it was described on the broadcast as like a totally mental design. Like it's it was just so more extreme and out there than what everybody else was running in terms of um, just the shape of the floor, um, the the dimensions, all of that was just so different that it, like. Um, uh, Helmut Marco was quoted as saying, you know, like, okay, everybody got to see it, but like, they can't really just copy it and then have the same performance because he's right. Like it's all part of a greater package, but I think once people see that and they, Oh, okay. Like this is the concept. Then people, the other teams will be able to adapt to it. And so, you know, Mercedes went up in the air, uh, you know, with Lewis's crash, a lot fewer people were interested in that, but it's a brand new floor. So, you know, and their Mercedes, you're going to pay attention, but uh, everyone being able to see the underside of that car with which, you rarely uh, ever get to see this is really the only circumstance in which you get to see the underbody of a car is when it gets craned up into the air. Uh, that was a, a big deal that uh, a, a lot of the teams are putting in, I'm sure, big hours this weekend. And it'll take months. It might not be until next year's car that some of these teams can in- implement those concepts, but uh, it definitely accelerates the timeline of everybody catching up to Red Bull. Well, you know, it's interesting because you go, well, who 
and people who are new to the sport, you know, myself kind of included, I go, what does it really matter that much? But but it does take a long time to actually kind of, you know, put it in the in the wind tunnel and see what it could do. And and then on the flip side, Red Bull has less uh, wind tunnel time this year because of their uh, cost cap penalty from last year. But it's funny, too, because you go online and you look at, at a lot of what uh, people are putting out there about F1. I mean, even as they're going into Barcelona today and they're doing some of their first kind of – you get some of your first glimpses at the cars because they do bring upgrades. And all they do is show – look at the difference of the wing this weekend. And it's minute – changes that these cars are making and you're going oh look at what red bull has uh, on the edge of their floor now for barcelona oh look what mercedes is doing and, and and somebody took a shot of i think the ferrari uh floor and kind of the attachments to the side pod and they're like look at this look at this little change and it, it was just like this min- minute thing that everyone's just like drooling over they go oh this is the weekend that they're gonna do it and that's what i love about this sport is just like the constant from week to week, you can change your car just a little bit, and from track to track, from circuit to circuit, it, it does make a difference. And these guys, uh, you know, love it or hate it, the the idea that of these cars not being spec, you know, all one all one kind of design and has to do the same thing. Uh, that's the kind of cool part of it too. Some people hate it. I've learned to kind of like it, and I know you love it, Dan. Where this is like this idea of just innovating constantly, and this race to be not just the best driver on the grid, but to have these uh, folks back at the factory who are these aero geniuses and weight geniuses, and you know, technical and engineering geniuses. And so uh, that's the fun stuff about about Spain. I think that you can look at and go. All right, they're going to bring a little something different to all these. And then you just cross your fingers and go, please be a little bit closer of a race because I don't want to see. Because this this circuit, you correct me if I'm wrong, this has the possibility for being one of those really boring races. If, if Red Bull is that much more ahead of everybody else, you could have Max winning by 52 seconds. Yeah, there is definitely that chance with uh, just it being an, an average high, high downforce track that, yeah, any any little bit of advantage that Red Bull has on straight line speed and high high speed cornering uh, downforce, like that's just going to give them a big advantage at uh, at Spain. The um, you know this last weekend we saw some upgrades, uh, especially Mercedes brought a bunch of upgrades with their new side pods, but we didn't see as many as we're going to see going into uh, into Spain. Uh, the especially Ferrari is coming with a new set of upgrades and rumored. Uh, new side pods that are going to match Red Bull's design, which Mercedes also did. So uh, we'll see and uh, and get a much better sense of what have all these midseason upgrades brought uh, this coming weekend. And the other thing too is there's a bit of a of a redesign in the track we talked about last episode where they took the, the chicane out of the last sector. So there's going to be a faster last sector, uh, and that what's going to do is just going to increase tire wear. And it's already a, a track that has high tire wear, but it's going to get even worse. It's it's a hot track. You know, we haven't really had a hot race yet. You know, Miami was a little warm, but not as warm as it was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monte Carlo, you know, it rained. So we haven't really had a super high tire deg, deg um, race yet, but it's like Spain will be if it doesn't rain. I saw like 30% chance of rain in the forecast. But if, if, it, if it's like normal Spain weather, it's going to be hot, high tire wear, probably uh, two lap, uh, or sorry, two, two stop race, not these one stoppers that we've been having just because mm-hmm. of the, you know, the tire wear. So I think that that, uh, could be really interesting. And it, as the, these upgrades that, uh, Ferrari's bringing that Mercedes is bringing with all the side pod stuff does a lot for tire management. 
those guys have always had a hard time or have recently had a hard time keeping up with Red Bull's tires uh, and how they can keep their lap time up and keep their tires healthy. And these uh, changes on the downforce and aero side of things is really all about being able to baby the tires more. So hopefully that makes it more competitive. I'm trying to think of some of the suckiest drivers who suck the most sucky. And Logan Sargent, our poor American friend, uh, I think this, like, at some point, it's just, you know, drinking from the fire hose, right? There's just a lot you have to take in. I mean, on the one hand, like, this was a difficult weekend. And to not put a car in the wall, that's, like, great or whatever, fun. Uh, I'm glad that he's having, uh, you know, he's not he's not wrecking the car and making it, like, even more difficult to like the guy. But um, him... Between he and, uh, you know, the, the other rookies, I think of, like, you know, Nick DeVry, people are sort of looking at and going, that's a lot of underperforming, you know. But, I mean, he did finish 12th, I guess. I was really disappointed that Yuki, who was, like, hanging out in 8th and ninth all day, ended up just tumbling down the order. And you and I, you know, I, we share this kind of weird Yuki love for uh, <laughs> for the guy. And he just tumbled out of the points. He was in it all day. and then But he got outperformed for the first time by his teammate, Nick DeVry. Uh, but the worst, I think, this weekend, has to be Lance Stroll, who just looked like the oh guy that everybody has everybody has attacked this dude, and every time he starts to come out of it, I mean, think about the broken wrists that he had the first race of the season, and he still put it together, and everybody's like, this guy, he doesn't need his dad. He's a racer on his own. But then you have his teammate who's just consistently one of the best on the grid. This car is outperforming even what their own standards were. They're like, this year's a gift. Everything is gravy for us, and yet Lance Stroll in 20th puts it in the wall a couple of times, puts it into the side of a couple of cars a couple of times. This guy looked as much of a rookie as anybody else out there. Yeah, he's he's making mistakes that he shouldn't be making with the amount of experience and the quality of the car that he has. He, uh, Yeah, that very first lap, he tried to go on the outside um, uh, of like three wide through the, the, the really small like hair, double hairpin is just really stupid moves and it, it, it exacerbated by the fact that Alonzo is just like the second best car on the grid right now it's i'm finally starting to see uh speculative articles out there on like could lance actually really be replaced <laughs> is lawrence stroll <laughs> as much of a business savage as we think he is and be like you know if i could sign lando norris i'm gonna sign lando norris instead wow. of Tommy Boy, and then Tommy Boy gets kicked to the curb. <laughs> Tommy Boy. It, it's possible. Oh. oh, my gosh. Well, the guy, you know what? It, it, other teams would look at him and go, well, maybe he'd be a better situation than what we have here, I guess. But at the same time, like, make him your reserve driver and have him pout in the back of the garage like every weekend. I don't know how this works. Or maybe you – Maybe you put him as like, uh, you know, maybe you just kind of send him early retirement and he's a, a technical, the assistant to the technical director. <laughs> I don't know how that, I don't know how that works, <laughs> yeah. but uh, that's a guy who, man, if he doesn't turn it around, he's got to figure some things out here because uh, everybody sees how much, my favorite too is like that Fernando Alonso in a weird way, instead of being the brutal teammate who doesn't care about anybody but himself, is like, no, no, you guys, you guys are really treating him poorly, like. You know, I can't believe you would say <laughs> such things about my little brother. Like, and and the reality is, is that Fernando just loves it. Like, if he were not performing as well as he was, like he loves it. I mean, what <laughs> you put a, you put you get P twos and P threes all the rest of the season, and you're going to finish second in the in the overall championship. 
you're going to get maybe that 33rd win if if uh, if a foot gets put wrong by uh, by Red Bull one weekend, which you know that's a high likelihood with another you know seven or uh, what, how many races is it left? Seventeen races left. So I don't think that they're you know Fernando. I think. I mean, and again, this is his weekend, man. This is Spain. He and Carlos signs. They're coming home here, and Carlos is like sweating it out. Fernando's coming back a freaking hero this weekend to Spain. I have to think that there's something in uh, uh, Alonso's contract that he gets some sort of bonus for every nice thing he says about <laughs> over the radio or in his interviews because he's like for a dude that has been so savage with all the teammates he's Always. ever had. Yes. Now all of a sudden he's like Lance is just uh, he's you know he's great. It's there's something going up. I mean, but yeah, it's it just makes him look I think even better when when he's uh outperforming his teammate by so much. So, going back to Yuki, I think he that was the my sound bite of the weekend when Yuki's engineer got on the radio and said like, dude, you're losing time. You're going to fall out of the points and it's under braking. Like you're losing a lot of time under braking and Yuki just like string of expletives about how bad the brakes were. <laughs> it's like, like these brakes are bleepity bleep bleep yeah, bleep. Yeah. And I just like, well, no, there you go. Was, there's, there's the Yuki response. I'd play it. I'd play it if this weren't a family show, you know I mean? That's the thing about Yuki is like this guy, when he, the, it was it was shades of Yuki of the past because he's been he's been outperforming his teammate his car a little bit and so he's been looking more like a a pro this last year and when he started going I mean you when they're not showing what's going on when I'm just like looking at you know the order here and you see the the, the interval times and everything and you start to see him and you go oh boy he's oh did he just go from eighth to eleventh like in uh, half a lap and then he starts keeping tumbling down even more. And that kind of frustration, obviously, is going to get to a guy even who's uh, been like going to therapy for all the cusses that he says all the time. But you know, uh, it, it's it is what it is. A quiet uh, performance by Alpine this weekend. Well, not quiet in the sense that you know Ocon finishes third. I would imagine that Otmar Snaffauer uh, is absolutely excited by the fact that. They don't have to have McLaren maybe breathing down their neck nearly as much. That car is just is really really quick. It's getting better, and a third and seventh double points finish for them. Uh, their biggest haul of the year so far is uh, tremendous for them. Pierre Gasly quietly finishing in seventh and like just I mean put in a heck of a race himself. So uh, I think Alpine is right there. I think Ferrari should be worried because I don't think that the pace of that car with with uh, one of the best drivers on the grid finishing sixth like and fifth every week it seems like now uh and just not putting it there and and some of their strategy still being an issue i don't know what the future is of of ferrari this year even with all the pictures of the the rear wing setup and the floors uh from barcelona saying oh they brought some upgrades i'm not sure how excited i am about ferrari yeah they're at best third fastest and at worst fifth fastest and probably closer to fifth than anything uh and that's not where Ferrari should be, uh, by any means. Uh, I'm going to have you do one of your uh, famous "Explain It Like I'm Five" engineering. When I see the when <laughs> I see the tires go on, when I saw the rain start to come down, I went, "Ooh!" I w- I mean, I'm not the guy that wants to see a car go into the wall, but in Monaco, I kind of am, just because <laughs> I feel like I feel like that would help some of these crazy finishes and crazy podiums, which I always like. Uh, instead. You had like everybody really driving very very well. Even the even the the bad drivers. I mean, save Lance, but I mean like even the even the really quote unquote bad drivers who are still trying to get their feet under them. The quality of the F one driver this year 
was highlighted by the fact that these guys on a very, very tough circuit where if the rain falls, it is really hard to stay on that track. Uh, they all started kind of, you know, putting it together. Please explain how the inters and the wets work. There were there were a couple of, uh, you know, uh, turns on the track where everybody's like, there's no way you can have some slicks on here. And obviously everybody at one point went to went to inters. But what's the real difference in terms of time loss versus water cleared when it comes to an inter versus a wet tire? Those are the green and blue tires that are used when the when the track is wet. So what do you really get advantage wise out of the the uh, the green and the, and the blue tires when it comes to the wet surfaces? Yeah, so the, the slicks are obviously slicks. There's zero tread on them, and they displace no water, essentially, uh, from from the tire. Then uh, the intermediates, uh, you could think about those as more of um, like a, your high-performance car that still has some tread on it. Uh, you're not taking it to the racetrack, but you want uh, you want a little bit of a more high-performance tire. And then you could think of your full wets as like your all-season tire, your winter tire that you have on your car. So... If you can envision what the tread difference looks like between those on the inters, uh, the tr- the fewer grooves, different pattern, less aggressive pattern, um, uh, in, n- shallower grooves, and then the full wets, uh, obviously a bit more grooves, deeper, thicker. And the quantity of water that uh, these two tires can displace, a, f- a-, a full wet tire can displace twice as much water as an intermediate tire. And it's something like an intermediate tire can displace like 30 liters per second at a particular speed. And at the same uh, the same uh, speed, it's like 60 liters per second. I think that's what it, it is. And so I mean, this is like these, these cars can displace a ton of water when they've got the full wets on. Now, um, obviously there's less grip. You have less surface uh, of the tire that's actually in contact with the road on a full wet than an inter. Uh, so with less surface area contacting the road, you, it's just the cornering um, uh, force that, uh, that the, uh, car can hold is a lot less uh, on the full wets and so how teams decide what to use so um we saw it in the race at monaco it's starting to sprinkle it's in one little spot like the slicks are going to be like driving on ice uh but you know if it's only for two turns you're going to make it all up on the other on the rest of the lap sure um the inters uh will do great through that spot that it's you know a little damp maybe there's no standing water but when you get through the rest of the lap it's going to uh, heat up the tire a bunch and because there's like less mass on the tire like that that heat is uh, more extreme and hard on those tires and so they'll wear more uh and then the full wets uh those uh will you only really run the full wets when there's like standing water that you're worried about. And so we weren't quite seeing standing water. We've seen shiny road mm-hmm. surface, a little bit of foam here and there. So it was uh, more clearly a situation at Monaco to just run the enters, especially when half the track is almost dry. Uh, but like we saw last year in um, Suzuka and J- uh, the Japan GP, they started the race in full wets and those tires just is so much water that it's that's what causes the spray to go up into the air. Yeah. If you remember, there Those was rooster tails, like yeah. the the yeah the rooster tails and like the the helmet cameras where it was just you, you couldn't see anything. Um, that's because of the quantity of water that the full wets are throwing off. And so I think Formula One is working on trying to figure out like we just run full wets uh, not very often because it makes visibility so hard that like they might as well just red flag the race. 
it's like full wets are almost most appropriate when you wouldn't be racing at all. So they need to figure out some solution by either like changing the, the intermediate and, and full wet profiles or adding some sort of wheel covers that you could put on the cars during full wet conditions to keep the rooster tails from getting into the other driver's faces, which would be um, kind of crazy. So that's those are the basic differences. You give up lap time by going to intermediates and then to full wets. Uh, overall in as the track dries but you gain lap time the wetter it gets and uh the the tire wear only becomes an issue on the intermediates and the full wets if you have a dry section on the track uh if it's all the way around then you can run those tires the entire race they're not going to wear because of just the speed you're going and like you know the the, the wet uh, uh track condition but as soon as it starts to dry up what you'll see is Maybe like the track will be drying up and they'll be on enters and they'll be actually the drivers will actually pull off the dry line into the wet to cool the tires back down to the right operating temperature before the next corner. So you get this weird section where it's like, yeah, I'm on enters. We're not quite ready for slicks, but I can't stay on this line that's drying up. Um, or else my tires are going to get too hot. So you almost kind of have to cool them off and put them in the water. So those are kind of some of the, uh, kind of interesting dynamics you get when when you get into the wet tires okay barcelona this weekend what's your uh what's your podium look like what who i mean is there anybody who are we going to see esteban alcon uh close to the top again or is it just like nah that was your weekend that was your podium for the year uh now step back and then let your uh your red bulls your uh your Fernando Alonso's, your Mercedes even, uh, take over Barcelona? Or is there a shot this weekend that somebody else could really outperform what their car has shown us so far this year? I think there's definitely a shot given the, all the upgrades coming and the potential of it being a really hot race with more tire fall-off than we've seen. So that'll just bring out relative advantages that we haven't seen yet. Uh, as far as predictions, man, I don't know how you would bet against Max. So money on the line, you know, Max is, is the clear leader for this weekend. But uh, Alonzo, home race, uh, just continuing that swagger. Even a photo of him on the podium in Monaco, he had one foot on the first place podium as he was standing on the second place podium. It just kind of like as a, a jab. Uh, He's like, I'm coming for you, man. So I think he has the mentality. And I, and Ocon, I, I really believe that Alpine has some swagger. They kind of got called out by their CEO as like, you guys are garbage. You know, why are we even running? And so like Otmar's, you know, having to turn things around. And I, I think they can carry that momentum. Um, as much as I, my heart would love to see Ferrari uh, get a podium, I just, I'm not feeling it right now. So uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend. I think no matter what, uh, I, I think that we're going to learn a lot this weekend for how the rest of the season will play out. All right. Uh, well, there it is. We're going to be uh, breaking it down again next week. So this is a rare uh, preview and review all in the all in the same episode here. So you got you got a little bit of the breakdown of Monaco, and then uh, after the Memorial Day weekend where we saw the Coca Cola six hundred and the Indianapolis five hundred, which that tire flying into the crowd and then over the crowd. Uh, and missing everybody and hitting that dude's car out in the parking lot like that that Dude. was disaster averted because. The nineties, oh the nineties saw IndyCar in uh, the Indianapolis five hundred with a couple of deaths in the stands because of debris going in there. When that tire went into that into that stands at two hundred miles an hour and went over it and missed the crowd and just hit a car and everybody made jokes about just this guy's car getting smashed. Uh, that was disaster averted. So that was that was good for this weekend. But racing this weekend was uh, 
pretty darn fun to watch, and we're going to be back at it again. Dan Jimenez is going to get back to uh, zooming in on his computer of all the uh, different wing setups and floor setups and drooling over some of the engineering <laughs> for this weekend at Barcelona. So for Dan Jimenez, I'm Alex Curie. Thanks for joining us for another week of uh, Moog Push. We're going to be back again breaking down your uh, race for this weekend in Barcelona. So for Dan, I'm Alex. Dan, thanks for hanging out again, man. We love it. Yeah, thank you. All right, there you go. We'll be back next week. See you then, everybody.